Chapter Twenty Three of Natalie Page. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Natalie Page by Catherine Haviland Taylor. Chapter Twenty Three. Waiting for the Human Mouse. After dinner, I sat down to read amy and willie played double canfield evelyn and herbert went off to the little drawing-room to talk about their house aunt penelope ran the victrola and uncle archie s k and our two guests played auction they put up quite a heavy stake on it criticised each other's plays after each hand and acted as people do when they are playing cards for pleasure ito came in with a tray of glasses and some sort of light italian wine and then he left and it began to get late of course willie didn't know about it and at ten he left i went with him to the hall and he told me how insulted he had been by amy that morning but that he felt that there were possibilities in her and that he was going to try to develop them then he coughed and said you know that offer of mine i said i recalled it well he went on it is good no southern gentleman ever forgets his honour but we were both young you know darned well nat that i'll go through with it if i have to but i think you'd be a better pitcher than a wife everybody had annoyed me that day uncle frank had just left and saying good-bye to him was hard and i was excited over the mystery so i spoke frankly to be truthful i almost shouted i wouldn't have you and then i turned and saw s k coming towards us he was going down to get a piece of japanese carving that aunt wanted to see but he let willie start before he did did you hear that i asked yes he said thank heaven i did nat i'm a fool but that chap's coming upset me you see my conscience keeps me from entering the race just now his evidently does not i explained and put him right on that and anyway i added there wouldn't be any race dear child he said if i dared let myself believe you but he continued with a change in tone that is a tabooed subject some day if it is true you'll prove it now won't you he looked down at me ever so anxiously and i laughed up at him i felt exceedingly light-hearted since the weight of his disapproval was removed that had really bothered me the subject i said is tabooed he put his hands on my shoulders shook me gently told me i was a dear scamp and started off the minute after he got outside the lights went out and i never in all my life have heard anything like the noise that followed evelyn and herbert rushed out of the little drawing-room and fell over a pedestal amy fell over a chair that had a pile of records on it and those tipped off and clattered as they went to pieces on the bare floor someone knocked over the card-table and someone else the chair that held the tray of glasses aunt penelope screamed and uncle archie said things that i cannot quote repeating them at intervals in this manner what the blank do you think you're doing or penelope shut up that blank noise he became frightfully natural as people do in crises and added considerably to the confusion when the lights came on again the detectives looked very silly one of them said something about hoping it would never get out then ito was summoned and asked what had happened to the lights not can say he replied with a lift of his shoulders then i went to my room looked for my bracelet and found it was gone everything moved after that ito jane and the cook were ordered to the library where for the first and last time they sat in state s k and his man were sent for and enough moves to satisfy even douglas fairbanks were packed into the next few minutes what was this fellow doing when you went down the detective asked of s k 
he looked at devson i don't know s k answered i didn't go down i heard the noise and tried to get back how about the outside men the detective went on and i then found that there had been other people on guard these watching outside someone went down and returned with a crestfallen baffled air saw nothing he said but this fellow looking at debson went down the stairs after the lights went out then ito spoke he has habit he explained of spending evening with jane when mr kemp would suspect him to be answering doorbell it was therefore that i removed light plug to delay mr kempwood and cover retreat of debson since we are friends that is true said jane beginning to cry and i hope sir that you will not blame him since it is my fault and that'll do someone said and she relapsed into very moist sounding sniffs i don't know how the servant class as aunt calls them managed to sniff like that for theirs is a pervasive far carrying sniff but i notice that they always employ it when they are thinking of leaving and perhaps strength comes from constant practice suppose we go down and search said amy probably he's she pointed to s k's man hidden it i never saw such a look of outraged innocence as that man wore if there is any doubt he said i will request a search i am honest was there a blind man around i asked did you hear of him downstairs the man whom i asked the man who had been outside said there was but he said i'm afraid you won't make a detective miss he has been watched he has not moved and since this affair he has been searched where was he sitting i asked come to think of it said one of the men i think he was sitting by a window that leads to the coal cellars they got in coal to-day i said i heard it go in possibly the inner window was not replaced if the grating only was locked my bracelet would go through that then i saw debson move and he spoke quickly and in doing so made me sure that he was guilty as i said i am honest he began voice shaking i love this girl he pointed to jane but if you want my opinion you will not have to go as far as the basement to find the bracelet what leads you to say that asked the man who was putting the questions he asked it sternly my conscience replied s k s servant and a sudden recollection of having seen it on her arm one night when i took her to the clover-leaf social club ball i afterwards saw it on miss page's arm when she was having tea with mr kempwood jane cried harder than ever just once she gasped and honest to god i never done it again but no one was convinced i felt sure that jane was being truthful but i think i was alone in this then after dividing the men and leaving the suspects guarded a party was sent to the basements i went with them and i found my bracelet it was wrapped in a piece of burlap and a string was tied to it lowered from my window to the blind man i said as i triumphantly undid it the man who had told me i was not a detective told me he would give me a job any day i did feel proud then we started upstairs once again and i heard how the bracelet had come back evelyn did it and after she finished herbert put his arm around her which proved to me that he does really care deeply there's no mystery about that bracelet disappearing and reappearing she said suddenly and stridently when i was being questioned about that i have until recently cared a good deal about things possessions and in this my bracelet i thought i had something that was unique individual when natalie appeared with the real mate it completely outshone mine and annoyed me frightfully i began to warn her not to wear it with hastily scribbled small notes which i left out she ignored these i therefore put it where she could not wear it that is i locked it in my jewel case when i felt that i must return it i did so at night sometimes when i went in she stirred and i wanting her to think the affair supernatural and not to have her connected with me began to send it back at the end of my riding crop i put the handle against the bracelet and shove it in the room 
just as far as i could reach i don't know how many times i did it that is what she means when she said it crept in by itself naturally she didn't see my crop which is dark i only saw the glitter of the gold i said and i didn't know you didn't want me to wear it if i had of course i wouldn't have done so it seemed a joke then she went on i didn't think at first that natalie could misunderstand and then well i was annoyed with her and i let it go on it was a form of getting even i even tried to frighten her once or twice one night i stole her flashlight she saw my hand and was frightened i think for she called when i began to care more for you natalie she continued in a different tone and speaking directly to me i was sorry but somehow i couldn't say so and because you'd stopped telling of things that occurred to bother you i thought you weren't frightened any more i know it was contemptible i hope you can forgive me of course i said i did and i cared a lot for her and that it didn't matter didn't you know your cousin's writing asked one of the men i shook my head perhaps it looked different in pencil i explained and i suppose i never had even noticed it in ink then i was so sure those notes came from madame jumel her initials and evelyn's are the same and then i paused but they made me go on and i had to tell of our family misfortunes which had to some minds been twisted about that bracelet then amy who had had to be silent and who had seen how gentle herbert had been with evelyn after her confession put in i like amy most of the time and we are good friends but i knew she made her confession hoping that she would be thought noble and so that she would be noticed i stole those violets she said standing up i myself under the lure of an orchid and i wish to snub some of my most intimate friends put those stockings in the box then went back to herbert then she glared up at the ceiling and clasped her hands it was a pose she got from nazamova but it didn't look the way it did under nazamova's touch aunt penelope snapped at her so hard that i felt sorry for her you were a little sneak she said to let all of us punish your cousin for weeks for something that you did sit down and be quiet or leave the room i only asked for forgiveness amy went on sadly and that will bring me peace how could i know when i inserted those worn-out yellow socks of evelyn's that i was to wreck the happiness of a carefree girlish heart the detectives laughed but s k glared at her and he muttered something about hoping people wouldn't believe everything they heard hereafter am i forgiven asked amy she made her voice tremble beautifully she had learned too from those singing lesson records that you can buy now i said she was of course and s k grunted and then he put his arm around me it seemed to be catching i'm going to take care of you after this he said through set teeth i've adopted you for the present understand no more of that sort of nonsense shall occur how about those noises outside those noises that were heard on the balcony someone asked jane got in her innings then and i imagined that debson was sorry he'd mentioned having seen her wear my bracelet he come up to see me that way she said time and again he done it he had a long stick with a hook on top that he jabbed in a window sill or over the balcony rail and then he come up hand over hand he said he done a turn one year in vaudeville and that that was in his bill and then she laughed shortly is true said Eda. greatly we laughed when he approached in clime manner it was in dark of court no one had opportunity to see we encouraged him to arrive so like monkey i think he planned to come in such manners so that we in back of apartment hear scrape noises jane will think he visit me i think he visit jane meanwhile he inspect and salute jumel bracelet why did you want it asked the detective debson said he did not 
loudly protesting his innocence until one of our visiting gentlemen went forward slapped his pockets and then began to unload them he found all sorts of interesting things an implement that is called a jimmy that is i believe largely used in burglaries a pistol s k s best cufflinks and most important a ball of twine and that matched the piece that i found tied to the bracelet he had to give in and when he saw that protests amounted to nothing he talked frankly i thought i was safe said debson after his conviction was achieved no one up here believed the kid and almost every night i prowled around somewhere and during the day too after i was thick with these two he motioned to ito and jane why it looked as exciting as a sunday-school picnic to be sure i hadn't located the right bracelet she had a way of hiding it but i could get into her room any time i wanted to one afternoon i walked in and busted the lock of the window and no one said nothing i thought i had it all fixed and that my hunting was over for just to-day he promised not to kick up a search until she wanted it and i believed it i believed it after that he looked at us and laughed laughed in a silent sneering way but i felt that his own failure was what made his unhappy mirth his own failure and his being caught by such a simple trap why did you want it asked uncle archie the thing isn't worth enough for all the trouble you gave it is that so brother said the man who as a servant had had the most quiet voice and repressed manner just go ask vincente alcon y rodriguez that boy's a little sugar king and he makes enough to sweeten several lives he offered me twenty-five thousand if i could get the jumel bracelet or its mate for him and get it down to the monkey's own and now you got me what you're going to do with me he snarled this we'll give you a nice chance to rest answered one of the men pleasantly and taking handcuffs from his pocket snapped them on the man who had made me so much trouble and all the mystery i wonder why the sugar king wanted it i asked as the men went off taking debson between them i'll find out s k answered and he did End of chapter twenty three